And you are listening to Faith FM. Oh, this is the second intro today that I've done. This is I'm on a, I'm on a real I'm hot, retiring. I'm on a hot star. Oh. Guys, you heard it here first. Lyle well, is leaving. <laughs> Lawson, Lawson's just taking over my job. I give up. You know, he's just wow, okay. usurping me. Man, this is, are you okay? I'm just, oh, I'm just so drenched <laughs> in sadness right now. But guys, uh, we've come into the second hour of our show, which means we have another clue for the quiz for 400 points. Pharaoh had a daughter that found Moses when he was a baby. What was her name? 0491 was the name of Pharaoh's daughter that found Moses. If you know the answer, you can win a book from our selection of bargain books, or you can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz, get every question correct, and win every single prize. But again, that question was, Pharaoh had a daughter that found Moses when he was a baby. What was her name? Okay, if you know the answer, give us a call, 0491064669. We've got a bunch of uh, text messages to get to. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about, though, is something that a good friend of mine is doing uh, out in Singleton. Mm-hmm. So if you're anywhere near Singleton, if you're in the, in the Hunter region, if you're in the Newcastle region, Lake Macquarie, wherever, Singleton is not that far away, and I know we've got a list, lot of listeners from right around Australia, but um, this one, where did it go? It's right here. Uh, why did it disappear on me? I had it a second ago. Let me just... Come on, bruh. Come here on. Here it is, here it is, here it is. I found it. Okay. This is why okay. Lyle's retiring. Okay, so mental and emotional health is something that is critically important, and particularly in mm. times of war and flood and stress and so forth, it does affect everybody. Of course, you know, Singleton has been on high alert for mm. flooding of the Hawkesbury River. They've got the whole place sandbagged up and so forth. And so, you know, it's a time that we really do need to be taking care of ourselves emotionally, particularly as far as, you know, anxiety and stuff goes. And so my good friend Letitia, Letitia Marino, is the uh, pastor of the Singleton Adventist Church, and she's putting on a program that is all about understanding and navigating anxiety. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, for mental health, spiritual and social perspective, uh, it's going to be presented by uh, Danny Guest, who's a clinical therapist, and Dr. Trafford Fisher, um, and it will be the 19th of March, Saturday awesome. the 19th of March at 3pm in the Singleton Adventist Church. So I'd encourage anybody who is within a couple of hours' drive to avail yourselves of the opportunity of heading over there and being a part of, uh, of exactly what is happening there. All right, so that one is an important announcement, and I'll be reminding you of this uh, a few more times between now and then. All right, let's go back here and find the rest of our... Okay, so the Raphaels are giving you a hard time, Lawson. Yeah, whatever. Yes. The first first Raphael says this. Lawson, they're not giving you a hard time. They're actually, um, this is really good. Oh, okay. Lawson, yes, you should be happy you get to eat every day, considering 25,000 people die every day from hunger and more than 10,000 being children. We are blessed. Totally. Yeah. Second, Raphael says, let me just find this one. I'm grateful for waking up every morning to go to work because that means that God has kept me alive for another night and let me live in his wonderful creation. Amen. Yeah. Wow. That is definitely, we've we've got the spectrum of outlooks right there on one side. It's like, you should be grateful to wake up in the morning because all these people are dying. And on the other side of the spectrum, you're just like, you should be grateful to wake up in the morning because we get to live. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think both of those are really good perspectives mm. from the uh, the two Raphaels. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Um, Julia says, the grade two kid reminds me of the young girls who have given their stories in The Heart of Fire. I'm assuming that's a book. Uh, maybe mm. Julia can uh, let us know or send us a uh, screenshot of the book, something mm. or other. Um, children who lost their childhood, their families for Jesus. The young kid is like them. You cannot silence the voice mm. of Jesus. Okay, and uh, one of the other Raphaels is now saying, Lyle, don't let Lawson get you down. You're the star of this show. <laughs> 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 Love you, Lawson. I don't think so. I think Lawson's the star. Nah, Lyle's the star. Lyle's uh, a fun. star is born it's right here. Hilarious. Lyle's the guy. Check out this big old star on the on the stern of the endurance in those pictures. Yeah, it's like just like the day it was made. Mm. It's because the endurance was originally called the, the Polaris. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was named after, and that's why it had a star in it, uh-huh. and uh, Shackleton changed it to Endurance, and uh, it was a pretty fitting name to, yeah, uh, that's right. to have on that ship. As Man, he kind of he kind of doomed himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that's what he had in mind. Anyway, on that uh, subject, uh, we had text messages. Did you know there was no Antarctica in the creation of the world? I believe it happened after the flood. I don't think there's very good evidence in Antarctica that it uh, you know, froze over and, and uh, all that happened after the flood because... Because you've got you know evidence that it was once a very fertile place. There was no Antar- but isn't Antarctica like have a landmass under the ice? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're saying that, that but our land masses were created during the flood. But our land masses as we know them now were created oh, during the flood. Okay, you know, you've okay. got you've got mountain ranges being pushed up. You've got uh, ocean basins that are sinking, mm-hmm. um, and so. Yeah, very different place. Okay, and of course you would have had a, you wouldn't have had you know a frozen wasteland down there. Um, you'd have a much more even temperature around the world. Uh, it says yes, we should be ready every day. We don't know when the boss is coming mm. back or when he will require our life. Reminds me of the story in the Bible of the rich man who, instead of sharing his blessings of great grain crops, uh, started building more storage sheds. Wow. And we've got another one. Here's the California school closet in the name of good. They turn evil into good. These people are sick. Some people do anything for money. Of course, many are pedophiles. Sick, sick, sick. Demons rule, but not for much longer. Yeah. And you, oh, you read a story like that, and it's like, well, how can it be anything other that was, than that? That was Harry. I was triggered, bro. Like when you, you said, were. I was like, you, you, it was one of the most triggered I've ever seen. I you. was like, I, it just set me off because I'm, I'm just like, you work in an educational it, environment. That's right. You get how this works, and we're we're battling like you know, and and it's not it's not a battle, but like the the definition of of consent and what that means is actively changing from yes. like way too way too lax, which is a terrible thing. That's right. To way too strict, to way too lax, depending on. What the persons who's Ideologies. making the laws, yeah, personal ideology is. So if they, if you have a practice that they don't agree with, like prayer or like studying the Bible, well, then the definition of consent all of a all of a sudden becomes you're not allowed to talk, you're not allowed to do anything because you might threaten the well being of someone. Um, but if you're doing something that they ideologically agree with, uh, then consent isn't needed because yeah, and 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 that is like a perfect case of how that takes place because it, you should not allow kids to attend a teacher run club without consent from the parents in any. 
Like, because this is an extracurricular activity. It's behind the, behind the parents' backs. Yeah. So, it just... Oh, it just triggers me. It just That just gets me. But because anyways, children can't give consent. Children can't give consent. Totally. All right, next text message. The young world is connected to the word of God, meaning the millions of old world is connected to Satan. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we can't have it both ways. Creation Science Ministries. What a blessing mm. for people everywhere. It will really help you with your discussions mm-hmm. and thoughts and research, etc. I'll just add, on, add that on the end there. Absolutely. Uh, creation.com is the place to go for Creation Science Ministries. Um, then we've got another one. Very hard to believe that Russia broke the ceasefire since it was their idea to allow an escape by giving the refugees an alleyway to leave the war zone. I smell a rat. Many know what I'm talking about. It might be a rat, might not. Thing, the thing is, with the war in Ukraine, I, I don't kind of believe anything that I'm hearing mm. from any side because there is so much propaganda and misinformation. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just don't know. All we know is that people... I just don't know. All we know is that people are dying, and, and that's it's terrible. An absolute tragedy, and it's a horror, and Putin should not be there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is always a better alternative to war. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let me see what else we got. I think that's... Uh, is that it? I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's it. We've got the end of our text messages. Mm-hmm. Okay, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, shoot us a text message. We will share it right here on Faith FM. Um, and particularly if you've got some thoughts to share on the Bible study, which is about mm. to begin right now from Hebrews chapter 10, we've got some really good passages to look at as we uh, dig into uh, what we have today. Lawson, where did we get up to in yesterday's? Did we get up to verse 10 yet? I think so. Okay, let's let's jump into verse 10. We will uh, we'll read in Hebrews chapter uh, 10 yep. and verse 10 in just a moment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Yes. And this is a bit of a theme that you are going to find that is repeated over and over and again, you know, particularly from, you know, chapter 9, chapter 10, etc. Where, as we pointed out the other day, Paul is contrasting the sacrificial system of the Old Testament with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Mm. He's writing to Hebrew people, he's writing to people who are well-versed in the sacrificial system, who know and understand it intimately, and who have a very strong faith in it. Mm. And what he's doing is he is demonstrating, okay, this is good, but this is better. Yeah, This has served an amazing purpose, but these are the weaknesses of it. Mm. And the big weakness that he keeps harping on here and continues to make a point of because it's such a powerful point uh, for the Hebrew people who are coming out of a sacrificial system is that in the sacrificial system you had to keep doing it over mm. and over again. Yeah, but it's also such a powerful point too. Like Jesus Christ is our sa- sacrifice once for all. I remember this is like this is the first Bible verse that I ever like highlighted in my Bible or wrote notes about or whatever. You know, the first time I was studying, like reading through the ne- New Testament, starting in Matthew, and you know, I'm reading through, I'm reading through all the epistles, and I get to Hebrews, and I remember reading this, and I think on my mind at the time was the idea of like, why, why don't we sacrifice anymore? 
and I'm reading through Hebrews and I'm starting to understand why. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like, ah, uh, uh, uh. but I remember getting to this verse and I was like, this is it. Like, this, is, this is the clear answer. I got, uh, I bought a Bible like highlighter like the day before and I was like, I need to highlight this. And I like highlighted it. So I remember like, if anyone ever says to me, cause I remember talking to someone one time being like, oh, you know, uh, they they were a Christian themselves, but kind of a loose Christian, you know, kind of stepping in and out. And I think the reason was like, I think for a lot of Christians, they 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 step out of the faith because they accuse the Bible of being inconsistent. And this is one of the reasons why they were like, oh, well, why don't we sacrifice today if we're supposed to be, you know, following Jesus and, and the Bible? And this is what the Bible says. And um, yeah, it's just an, an odd conversation. But yeah, this was the answer. I was like, yes. And then I highlighted it because I was like, he's our sacrifice once and for all. Was he, you know, we know, we know. So here in the here in the studio, you have the uh, the studio Bible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is your Bible one of these ones that uh, is all the colours of the rainbow? Um, yeah, but then I actually stopped highlighting my Bible because I realised that my Bible, the Bible that I use, um, that I was highlighting, has gone out of print, and it's like the best Bible ever, like in terms of preaching and teaching from, because all the verses are on start from the edge, and but it's out of print, and I don't want to like ruin it, so I, <laughs> I, like it's like the book of like James and Hebrews and like a bit of like first john and revelation are highlighted but the rest of the book is like i've preserved it now i I keep most of the highlighting either to like on my phone or in like i have a big study bible at home but but yeah in in my preaching bible this section in the book of hebrews you've got like orange and yellow highlights everywhere it's so good yeah it's one of those one of the reasons why i have a bible that is falling apart is because it this this edition is out of print yeah, and so I just like true. it. I'm so used to it. I like yeah. it. It knows all the right. It's well trained. It knows all the right places That's to right. turn to, and it's out of print. And it's just like ah, I just want to keep running. <laughs> so anyway, it keeps surviving. Uh, let me see. What have we got here from uh, text message? History repeats itself, and we should learn from it. There will be no peace until Jesus comes back. That's a so fact true. right there. Mm. Absolutely. No peace until Jesus returns. But we're seeing right here, like how he made the way for that to be possible. You know. God's sacrifice, like God doesn't intend us to continue to sacrifice because he's made sacrifice once for all. Mm. Indeed. All right, let's, uh, that was verse 10. Let's have uh, verse 11. In verse 11, the Bible says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. But our high priest offered himself as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit testifies, this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put the laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Okay, so this is really, really uh, important and interesting as we uh, as we look at, you know, this whole theme of there's one sacrifice. There's one sacrifice. It's mm-hmm. done. It's we don't need anything more. This is more than enough because what we're going to find as we go further on through the passage is that there is an invitation for us to enter with Jesus into the sanctuary in heaven. Mm. 
And so, you know, and the Bible talks about the veil, and, and there's a couple of, there's a number of different veils. Um, you know, the word veil in the Bible is used to refer to the screen of the court. Uh, that's what goes around the outside of the sanctuary. Uh, that's called the veil. Then you have a veil that goes across the the door of the holy place, and then you have, you know, the most important veil, which is the one into the most holy place. Mm. So the Bible uses the veil for all three of those. And uh, we've got to ask ourselves, you know, why? Why, why was this? Why was this veil there? And why is it that, you know, Jesus' sacrifice means that we can go in? Mm. Because the reality was that there were some very strict warnings about going into the veil. Mm. Uh, the veil was there was there as a protection for God's people, and so, you know, God's people could go into the first veil into the courtyard and offer there a sacrifice if they were bringing a sacrifice. The priests only could go into the second veil, mm. into the holy place. The high priest alone could go into the third veil, the most holy place. And so we ask ourselves the question, why? And it goes back to the time of Moses when, you know, Moses, when, when the law was given from Mount Sinai and the people sinned and God's like, okay, separate yourself from the people and I'm going to destroy them. And, uh, and you know, Moses took the sanctuary and set it, you know, way outside of the camp and then Moses, you know, interceded with God and it's like, no, don't destroy them. Um, and if you're going to destroy them, then destroy me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was prepared to throw in his lot and give his life <laughs> to these people. And he intercedes there. Uh, but the veil then becomes a protection mm. between God and sinners. Mm. Because God is a consuming fire when it comes to sin. Sin is destroyed in the presence of God. And so you've got this veil there that, you know, separates the people from God. So even though God is in the midst of his people and, and Moses puts the, the sanctuary back in the center of the camp and the camp is gathered around it, um, Around the outside of the sanctuary, you've got the Levites, the priests, those who didn't worship the golden idol, mm. and, uh, um, and and then you've got the, the 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 courtyard veil, and then you've got the holy place veil, and then you've got the most holy place veil, and these were all to protect the people from God because the people were sinners. Mm. But when Jesus invites us to come with Him within the veil. That means that his sacrifice is a very different sacrifice from the sacrifice of the lamb Mm. or of the bullock or whatever else it might be because his sacrifice is actually able to make us right, Mm. to take away our sin so that we can come into the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very, very different, um, different kind of concept that we have right here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, Hebrews chapter 10 up until this point has continually made the point of why uh, a literal sacrifice in terms of, you know, a bull or a sheep or whatever, or, or a lamb or whatever it may be, is insufficient and how it was a shadow. And it's because, yeah, Jesus literally has that ability to break down the barrier between him and his people. Uh, you know, unlike a sheep or a bull or whatever, which was a symbol. So, again, we see here, like, yeah, this this being fulfilled and taking place in Jesus. It's like, oh, what God is actually trying to achieve is being achieved 
in Christ. Um, and I love how it makes the point as we were reading through once and for all time, for all those in the past or for all those in the future, the yes. veil will be brought da- down. Yes. Mm. Yes. The sacrifice of Jesus is what, and this is why you've got the veil being torn in the sanctuary when Jesus dies, is to illustrate and to symbolize that the veil is gone because we now have a sacrifice. Yes. That can make us perfect. That's right. We now have a sacrifice that can take away sin mm. and can make us holy in the sight of God, which we did not have beforehand. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Yeah, back into our encounter with God section, and we have another clue for the quiz. So for five hundred points, how many cities did Solomon award Hiram and Tyre? You know the answer to that one zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. At four five hundred points, our prize today is the uh, book Jesus. Who is He by John and Millie Youngberg? Um, how to find meaning and healing in your life through the life of Jesus Christ. Again, that question was, how many cities did Solomon award Hiram and Tyre? 0491-064-669. All right. Fantastic. Let's go back to our our Bible study and uh-huh. let's see what the Bible has to say in Hebrews uh, chapter 10. Uh-huh. Uh, where did we get up to? I read up to verse 18. All right, let's read verse 19 through 22. Stop at the end of verse 22. Okay, the Bible says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with, the, with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Okay, so we've got an interesting passage that we've got to uh, delve into right here. And of course, this is the part that we were alluding to before we uh, went to the song break, and that is that we have this invitation here to enter into the sanctuary with Jesus. Mm. And... This, of course, did not exist before Jesus died. And the reason it didn't exist before Jesus, and the reason that Paul is pointing this out is because there was, you know, the animal sacrifice wasn't able to take away sin. The only way that you can exist in the presence of God is to exist there without sin. God is a consuming fire. God consumes sin whenever it is present. And this is why, and this is what was being illustrated by the veils in the sanctuary. The veils were there to protect us from the consuming fire of God because of the sin that was in us and on us. And the veils were there to illustrate the fact that the sacrifice was an imperfect sacrifice because if it was a perfect sacrifice, everybody would get to go into the most holy place all the time. But now that a perfect sacrifice has come, Paul's like, it's open. Go in. Wow. Go in with Jesus. Mm. Okay, so does that mean, what does that mean then, Lawson? Does that mean that... Uh, you know, after we finish here on radio, um, we can trot up to heaven and uh, go and do a tour of the heavenly sanctuary this afternoon. Yeah, bro. Peace out. That's 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 where I'm going. Yeah. No, <laughs> no obviously, obviously not. Obviously okay. So what not. does it what does it mean? Well, it means like the um, the most holy place of the sanctuary, like represents you know judgment taking place, our sins going directly to God, um, and you know us being found righteous or unrighteous. But if our sin is taken to God into the most holy place, well then, 
you know, it is fully cleansed from us and blotted out from the universe. And so I think what this is ultimately alluding to and pointing to is that we are fully forgiven for our sins. Um, and that's the point that it makes here in verse 17, where it says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Like as it's quoting, you know, what the new covenant is and, and what takes place and how God deals with his people now uh, that Jesus has made a sacrifice for them. It's like, I will not remember their sins again. Like their sinful deeds, it's, it's done. It's over. It's, it's forgiven and it's, they've been judged righteous. So yeah, I, I believe that's, that's what it's talking about here. Entering the most holy place that we can actually be fully cleansed and stand before God. Um, obviously that will happen in a, in a literal sense at the very end, but also in, in our own personal lives today that we can be cleansed from our sins. Yes. And you know, when you, when you, when you look at what, you know, the Bible says, well, let's go back to Hebrews chapter four. Uh, verse 16. Classic verse in Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Oh. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Oh, man, I, I've memorized this and now I'm like reading Try it. Try read it from an yeah. uh, Let me read it. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find help and we'll find grace to help in us when we need it most. You oh. really struggled with that one. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, therefore, come boldly before the under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yeah, that's right. That's the KJV one right there. Um, okay. But the principle here is that where do we go when we need help? Straight to the throne of grace. That's right. Straight to God. Whereas in the sacrificial system, you came to God with a lamb. Mm. And this is what Paul is illustrating. You no longer come wow. to God with a lamb. You come straight to the throne of grace. Wow. Uh, in the sacrificial system, you would come to God with a lamb and you would stop short. Uh-huh. You wouldn't go all the way in. The blood of the lamb would go in there on your behalf. Yeah. And you couldn't go in because the, like, the blood of the lamb couldn't cleanse you. That's right. It was just a symbol. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, no, it's wide open now. Come on in. Wow. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful and so cleansing and it makes it so clean mm. uh, and makes you so clean, there's like, yeah, c- c- come on through. Mm. And so the, the, the veil that existed in the sanctuary was a, a, a protection for us, but also an illustration of the weakness of the sacrificial system in, care, in comparison to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Let's look at a couple of verses on this because, you know, when Jesus uh, invites us to go inside the veil here in, in these passages, to go into the sanctuary, uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10, well, how does the Bible describe Jesus? What kind of language does it use to describe Jesus here in Hebrews 2 and verse 10? God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. Okay, so Jesus is what? A perfect what in this? Leader. A perfect leader. Mm -hmm. In my translation, it says a perfect captain. Yes. We were talking about uh, Captain uh, Sir Ernest Shackleton Mm. earlier and the discovery of his ship, the Endurance. And he was a good captain. Yeah. But he wasn't a perfect captain. That's right. He crashed. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, there was that. There was that. He was not a perfect captain. He was a good captain, whereas Jesus is a perfect captain. Mm. And Jesus is never going to get his ship stuck in the ice wow. and lose it. Jesus is going to take us straight through. Mm. He's the captain of our salvation. And as such... The captain or the leader, as it says in yours, mm. is the one who goes first. Yeah. He leads us. He shows us the way. So he goes into the sanctuary first to show us the way. Now, I'm seeing some some shadows from Paul's personal life in this, as you say, the perfect captain. You know, if you reflect on on his personal dealings with shipwrecks and yes. being stuck in the deep, yes. he's experienced a lot of imperfect captains. Yes. But now he's like, no, you know, I even though I've had ex- this experience of being stuck in the deep and being shipwrecked and lost at sea, that's not who Jesus is. And of course, Paul had spent plenty enough time at sea to, you know, to know a lot about ocean travel. (laughs) That's right. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20. Hebrews 6 verse 19 and 20. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the set, uh, the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us, has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, so Paul doesn't left off the uh, nautical terminology right here. The strong anchor mm. that is Jesus, who is the forerunner who has gone mm. into the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And so we have that anchor that is grounded mm. firm and deep in the sanctuary, as, as the old hymn says it, uh, that will always hold, it will never drift, it will never let us mm. go. And Jesus, as our forerunner, as our leader, as our captain, has shown us the way in. And is now our high priest forever. That's right. Mm. And the way in, of course, is by the power of his blood. Wow. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It's the breakfast show here, and we're about to have question of the day. Before we have question of the day, we've got some answers to our quiz questions. So here they are, if you are wondering what the answers were. For 100 points, after some trickery from jealous rivals, where was Daniel thrown? The answer is the den of lions. 200 points. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah when Lot's wife turned back. What did she turn into? The answer is a pillar of salt. Who said the Philistines rule over you? This one's probably worth more than 300 points, but it was 3,000 soldiers of Judah. Uh, for 400 points, Pharaoh had a daughter that found Moses when he was a baby. What was her name? Trick question. She's not named in the Bible. But if you, if you said Bithia, which is the name found in uh, First Chronicles, then we will definitely give it to you because that is who is believed to be, what is believed to be the name of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, for 500 points, how many cities did Solomon award Hiram of Tyre? The answer is 20. It is now time for... Question of the Day. Okay, so our question of the day comes from the book of Matthew, and it simply says this. Please help me understand Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 36. So this is an interesting passage that talks about Jesus sending a sword. We often think about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, but in this case, no, Jesus is somebody who sends a sword. And if we go to Matthew chapter 10, beginning in, uh, where are we, verse 34, the Bible says, Do not think that I came to send peace on earth. I came to send peace. I did not come to send peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, 
and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies shall be those of his own household. Well, the answer to this begins in verse 37 where it says, He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that does not take his cross and follow me after me is not worthy of me. There are a number of thoughts that we need to draw into this passage here. What Jesus is telling his disciples to do is to count the cost of what it means to be a disciple. Often we think about, you know, becoming a follower of Jesus, like, yeah, this is going to be uh, fine, it's going to be all just, you know, roses, life will be smooth from this point forward. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not necessarily the case, because if you choose to be a follower of me, it's going to involve taking up a cross, it's going to involve sacrifice, and it's going to mean that I must come first in your life above every other thing. Because the simple reality is, is that whatever is first in your life is what you will, whatever you place as your highest priority in your life is what your God is. It's that simple. And we can only put Jesus first in our life. Now, why does he say that he's going to set people against each other, family members against each other? You know, one of the things that has fascinated me, uh, working in evangelism and working, you know, sharing Jesus with other people is how often I see somebody who gives their life to Jesus. And, you know, as a parent, I guess, you know, you always hope that your kids are going to grow up to be good, sane, sober, moral citizens. That's what we like and want to see from our kids. And you think, well, every parent wants that. And yet, you know, your standard, secular, worldly person, you know, their kids grow up to be good, sane, sober, moral citizens, but they're all a little bit bad. You know, they might tell a, a white lie here. They might uh, be able, you know, sneak some stuff from work occasionally and just sort of don't see anything wrong with it because it's not a crime of any significance. Then they become a Christian and they stop doing those things. They clean up their language. They stop drinking alcohol. And you ask yourself the question, okay, what's negative about that? Is there any neg- anything negative about, you know, they don't drink and smoke and, you know, maybe smoke some weed from time to time. Uh, they don't use bad language anymore. They don't tell white lies anymore. They don't, you know, sort of maybe, maybe pinch a little bit of stuff from time to time, uh, you know, which the average kind of secular person would see nothing wrong with. And so they have become better sane, sober, and moral citizens. And yet I've seen over and over again where a person has chosen to do this and their entire family absolutely turns on them. And Jesus knew this would be the case, and he said, you need to count the cost, because the cost is, you're going to have to love me, and you're going to have to follow me, and you're going to have to follow my word over and above your parents, even, or your family members, even when they turn on you. That's what it's all about. It's all about putting Jesus first. Which brings us to the end of our breakfast show here on Faith FM. We are about to head over to Tassie Encounters, so do stay tuned. Uh, one last text message coming through here. This is kind of like, this is epic as a whole Bible study and text message. Uh, let me see. The outer court was a type of, this one's from Paula, by the way. The outer court was a type of the world, the holy place, a type of the church on earth. The holy of holies, a type of church in heaven. The scarlet material in the veil and scarlet material in the tabernacle above all spoke of redemption. The holy church, the holy wife, the body church, but the most sweetest expression of the church will be the redeemed church. The sacrifice and the atonement, separation from God no longer exists through Jesus' sacrifice. Loving your Bible study. I'm loving your Bible study, Paula. That was a great, that was like half an hour's Bible study in one short text message, but uh, great stuff. 
And don't forget, as you go through this day, to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.